Welcome and aloha. I'm Mark Schlav, the host of Think Tech Hawaii's Law Across the Sea program. Today we're going across the sea to talk with Alona Ray. Alona was born in Ukraine. Alona is a lawyer. She graduated from law school in Kiev and then moved to the United States in 2011. After coming to Hawaii, Alona attended and graduated from the William S. Richardson School of Law at the University of Hawaii in 2017. She then passed the Hawaii Bar in 2018. Alona now lives in Richmond, Virginia with her husband and two young children. Alona wrote an article about Russia's invasion of Ukraine that was published in the Honolulu Star Advertiser about a month ago on April 25th. Alona's article begins with, how are you? The words she asks her family in Ukraine every day and concludes with the words, pray for Ukraine. I've, I've asked Alona to follow up on those words and share her personal knowledge and insights concerning current events in Ukraine, because I think it's important to keep talking about these issues and to share knowledge, especially personal knowledge. So, Alona, welcome. It's good to see you. How Hi. are you? Thank you for having me. Now, I want to ask you first, why did you write this article that appeared in the Honolulu Star Advertiser? Ukraine is at war and everyone needs to hear about it every day, not to forget for a minute, because if people forget around the world, then Ukraine is lost. Yeah, and, and it, with so many different things going on in the United States, <laughs> uh, it's easy to forget. Uh, well, okay, so you're, you wrote the article about a month ago. What's happened? in Ukraine, specifically, since you wrote the article? Yeah, a lot has happened. Uh, Ukraine pushed Russian forces away from Kyiv, and that's when everyone saw Bucha, Irpin, and other cities, and all the just horrific things that they have done to my country. And uh, also, now they moved on to eastern Ukraine. They're trying to take... Um, Actually, my hometown, uh, Kramators, they're trying to encircle it and take that, um, take that area. Uh, Ukraine also had to um, temporarily give Mariupol to Russian because um, Ukraine appreciates every single person and every single life. And uh, Russia wasn't allowing Ukraine to have any humanitarian corridors and people were dying from starvation and just, they didn't have water, medicine, nothing. And this was just awful events uh, for Mariupol and uh, people were buried in mass graves and people were just dying daily. So Ukraine wanted to save those soldiers and Ukraine said, um, we will let Russia have the territory, just let us evacuate those Azovstal soldiers. And they were supposed to be evacuated to Ukraine with Russia allowing corridors through Russia. Instead, Russia took them and trying to prosecute now those soldiers as terrorists. 
Okay, now that's something I hadn't heard before uh, in American news coverage. It does, I, I mean, are we getting all the news? Does American news cover everything that is happening in Ukraine or is it missing? Well, like you mentioned, America has a lot, uh, lots of news of its own with uh, uh, Robbie Wade to Johnny Depp trial and, you know, awful school shooting in Texas. So you, um, America just can't cover all the news. America covers some, but for Ukraine, this is not news. For Ukraine, this is everyday life that everyone is living. We have one main channel with uh, news coverage 24-7. They're talking about every dad person and about every hero and about every uh, soldier captured. So it's just, I think that it's just not enough coverage for that purpose. So the, uh, uh, it's, not a, it's not intentional is what I hear you saying. It's not, they're not trying to, US news coverage is not trying to hide anything. Uh, it's just, there, there's just too much going on in the world. And, and you, you pay attention every day to Ukraine is it, and you watch the news. Can you, can you watch it? Are you able to see the channel? Yeah, I'm actually watching it 24 uh, seven. Ukraine offers multiple sources that are, um, there is a channel called Telegram. There is a channel that I personally use is uh, Rada on YouTube because living in the States, I don't, I don't have satellites. So that's what I use. But right now, currently, all Ukrainian channels um, got together around this one Rada uh, channel, and they all show news at the same time. They take turns, and they have been transmitting this war since it started, and they haven't paused for a minute. It's been going on for 97 days now. So, I mean, can you point out some of the things that have been missed that you've seen uh, I mean, one, one of the things you mentioned was the, this, uh, the soldiers that were supposed to have been repatriated were actually not. Uh, anything else like that, that, that has been missed or that, that we should pay attention to? It, it's hard for me to tell what exact stories are missed because I would have to read all of the news all the time to pinpoint which ones are used. But um, what is missed a lot, I think that America shows some news and even those news it shows filtered in a way that news are more censored in America. Because in Ukraine, when something happens, it happened, we don't doubt the person. If this six-year-old, uh, 60 year old woman running across the field towards Ukrainian soldiers and she claims she was being raped by Russian soldiers. For Ukraine, it has happened. And in America, they would say that it's possible it happened, but we don't have proof because for Ukraine, we don't need any more proof. We live in a war zone and that's every day's life. So um, it's, I guess it's just more censored. Okay, now what, let me ask you this. You, in your article, you write that this conflict is genocide. Why? Why, why did you say that? What, what, I mean, I, I've heard the word, uh, but what, why, what prompted you to write that in your article? 
you know, the day the war, two days before the war started, Putin gave a speech about Ukraine and about what he thinks about the conflict. No, well, before the conflict, what he thinks about Ukraine. And back then he said that he does not think Ukraine is a nation. He does not think that Ukraine is a country. He does not think that it was every country, that it was always part of the Russia and it was Lenin's project. And that's it. That at some point it was just a project and it failed because um, we've seen Maidan, we've seen other revolutions. For him, that's a failure. So he claimed that Ukraine doesn't exist. So simply that. And then two days later, I talked to my parents about it and I said, you have to run. If before I didn't think that anything was gonna happen, but after I heard him say that, I knew that he has no, he doesn't care about human life, especially if it's Ukrainian life. He doesn't uh, appreciate them for who they are. And he doesn't think that Ukrainians should be independent. I knew that that would be war. That is pretty much a war proclamation, which was proved later that um, it was recorded on the same day as his war proclamation to Ukraine. It was just in his attitude, it was obvious. And what he is committing today in Ukraine, he is trying to get rid of Ukraine as just people, as cultures, everything. He is getting uh, rid of all the infrastructure. He is not trying to just, as he claimed originally that it was military operation, it was never military operation. They were, uh, destroying the buildings, they were destroying civilians, they were killing everybody. And uh, the way they are treating people, forcing right now de de uh, deportations, they're kidnapping children from the orphanages in Donetsk area, they, uh, they're committing all these awful crimes. They uh, forced over 40,000 people out of Ukraine and forcefully deporting them in, uh, to the undeveloped regions in Russia to just be free labor or something, I don't know. So they're trying to just get rid of like, erase Ukraine. And they've been trying to do that for a very long time. This war is not the beginning of it. It has been, you know, they've been trying to do that probably since before 1900. Okay, well that again, that's something that I've not been aware of. The one other thing is, um, you mentioned that, uh, you know, people are being killed in Ukraine. Now, we, we know that, but I mean, we really don't know what we're talking about in numbers. Do you, do you, is there anything that you can share or that you know about with respect to how many soldiers and civilians and children are being killed in, in Ukraine? It's impossible to know number. I would say it's tens of thousands of people knowing uh, about those mass graves in Butcher that are still being uncovered, knowing about those mass graves in Mariupol that we don't have access to. And especially with Russia, uh, they have a portable crematory where they trying to hide their uh, war crimes. They're literally using that on a battlefield. So it's impossible to say how many uh, civilians they killed so far. And also, um, I actually wrote this down to, to tell you the correct number. So, um, so far 689 children have been injured mm. and out of them, 243 has, uh, have been killed. 
and uh, uh, 446 are injured. Those are awful numbers. When I hear the stories of everyone in Ukraine of this innocent five-month-old child was killed with uh, her own mom at their home in Odessa from bombing. And uh, there are just so many of stories like that. And how many children have been orphaned? And how many children have been, over 2,000 children, have been forcefully deported to Russia? And their identity will forever be erased because uh, they will grow up thinking they're Russians and knowing how much Russia can brainwash people, those people, those children will be brainwashed to be Russians. And it's mm -hmm. awful. And we, of course, here in the United States uh, are facing children's deaths, but not that many. But I mean, we, we should be concerned with one child being killed, um, and there's hundreds in Ukraine. Um, we should do something here and in Ukraine. We should try to stop it somehow. Now, you you were born in Ukraine. Um, where where were you born? What what city? I was born in Kramatorsk. And that's, is uh, that's a city close to uh, Donbas area. It's in eastern Ukraine. It's uh, almost in the part of the Donbass area right now that Russians are trying to take. Has that city been taken or is it still part of Ukraine or what, what's the status? It's still part of Ukraine. Ukrainian forces are holding it strong there, but like I said, Ukraine needs more weapons to be able to push Russians back and to be able to defend all the Ukrainian cities that um, are occupied right now what 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 about your family you, you've said you, you mentioned your family in your article and and while we were talking where where are they how are they doing my family was in kramatorsk when this all began and they woke up uh, to the bombing because one of the airports that russia started the um the war was one of the airports is in kramatorsk so my parents woke up to uh, five in the morning to the bombing. And then um, they left the town, uh, the city. They went uh, to some relatives. They're still in Eastern Ukraine. They're safe for now. But honestly, nobody's safe right now in Ukraine. So I'm not sure I just go to bed and wake up praying they're going to be OK. Are you able to talk to them or are you uh, communicate? How, how do you communicate? Uh, I talk to them through Viber. It's similar to Skype. Um, so we talk daily and for a few hours at a time sometimes. They, they need to have some distraction because it's very hard for them to live the way they do. First months were, it was terrible. Just just waiting and it's not easier now knowing that my town may be taken and the way we saw what Russians do these days to the to everything to villages cities they don't care they they don't care if it has any military base or not they're just destroying everything and everybody so my parents are very worried because they want to go back home at some point and um, I hope they will have home to go back to. 
When, when you do you still ask them how how are you? I mean, and, and how do they answer when you ask them? I mean, or is that something that you don't ask anymore? I ask them every day because my mom actually just recently went back to Kramatorsk. She was so homesick that she went back home because she just she's a guest at somebody else's house right now, and she just couldn't take it. She went back there, and um, she lost power. She lost water gas she was it was terrible i told her you need to get out because mm -hmm. i i was uh, nearly having nervous breakdown just knowing that she's there because i just i can't imagine living if something were to happen to her while she's there and i'm here so it's just it's terrible you know that's very interesting you you, you have it sounds like <laughs> She is very brave to go back there, and and you have a lot of anxiety, and you're not there, and it's hard to, uh, uh, you know, for you, it may be even harder for you being away than for your mom, being right there. Yeah, it's been very hard. I I have been telling my husband I have like survivor's guilt or something because mm -hmm. I'm not there. I just like my heart that like I want to go there and he keeps telling me you have children here and, and knowing that my mom is there knowing that my family is in Ukraine and if anything were to happen to them I just feel like I want to just get up and go like no packing no nothing just just go now you know one thing I I have heard and that is that and even though there's a border between Ukraine and Russia a lot of family are on both sides of the border. Uh, do, you, do you have any family in Russia? Everyone has a lot of family and friends in Russia, including me. My family, we have uh, lots of relatives who uh, lived there since, uh, I don't know, since birth. Mm -hmm. And I also have, um, I actually have an uncle who moved there in 2014. and. Um, it's it's been hard to talk to those relatives. I personally don't talk to them. My dad has been very close to them all his life, and uh, that's his brother who is now living in Russia. And uh, it's been very hard to talk to those family members because they just they don't believe anything we tell them. So, I mean, what, what is the difference of opinion? What, what, what do you tell them that they don't believe and what do they think uh, is the truth? Honestly, in the beginning, I kept asking because I felt like it would make a difference if we tried to convince them, if we tried to deliver a message to them and tell them that this is what's happening. We don't have special first months, we don't have special military operation. Russia actually attacked us and they're killing everybody, not just soldiers, they're killing everybody. And they didn't believe us. And my dad, he had his own goal to convince them. Otherwise, still didn't work three months in and I don't know if he still talks to them, but they, my uncle pretty much called my grandma a Nazi and he was her favorite son and he lived in ukraine for 45 years of his life that's how 
uh, strong the propaganda is in Russia that family turn on family. Wow, that's uh, I mean that that so the the press in Russia or the news in Russia is basically that Ukraine is at fault and uh, should be uh, changed from its current status into something else. I guess is what is what is being said in in Russia, and the people in Russia believe that. Yeah, they they believe that Ukraine. Um, they believe what they're told. Uh, yeah. There is a, a there is a joke in a way going around that if you, re, you if Putin were to give uh, Russian people just dirt, let's call it dirt to eat and call it jam, they would eat it and argue whether it's strawberry or cherry. So the, they just they will believe whatever is told to them. And no matter what we tell them, they don't believe us living in it right now, seeing people die, having, it's just awful when neighbors have to bury neighbors just where they are, just to have them have peace. And it's, it's awful. And, and Russians, they don't believe it. Yeah, and I'm not sure what needs to be done. Uh, to change that, um, in in the in your article at the end, you say pray for Ukraine. But I, let me ask you: I mean, it doesn't sound like that's enough. Is that enough? Praying for Ukraine is important because if you're praying for Ukraine, you remember that Ukraine is uh, means your prayers, and Ukraine uh, is not a villain in this story, but it's also not enough because Ukraine just needs more support from the leaders, from those who can give it support. It needs more support from the governments, it needs more weapons, and it needs whatever humanitarian reliefs and other things that the governments can give. For one, uh, with the expert problem right now that Russia created, because Russia is closing the ports in uh, uh, Crimea, they're not allowing Ukraine export any grain that Ukraine produce. And uh, a lot of countries are gonna suffer because Ukraine is a breadbasket of the Europe and it produces enough food to feed over 400 million people. So right now, Russia is claiming they're not allowing the export because they're trying to hurt Ukrainian economy but they're actually hurting a lot of people who are already below the, uh, the curve and they are going to starve. People in Africa, uh, people, uh, there are just so many in Europe that rely on Ukrainian grain and sunflower that this is not just hurting Ukrainian politics. It's, it, it requires a humanitarian relief. So other than weapons, Everyone needs to just act and not just talk. And I get a sense from you that this is not just Ukraine and Russia. This is the whole world. And, and maybe in your article, you were kind of, I think, saying that, that this is, you know, pe people are afraid of World War III, but maybe we're in World War III. Is that, is that what you were indicating? Yes, I, I did say that because 
I really don't like when people say that this is just a conflict between two countries. Because if other leaders of other countries treated this conflict like their personal conflict, this would have been solved already. But because everyone keeps distancing them from them from this and keeps saying that this is just a conflict between those two, two countries, that's why this is taking so long to solve. Because this is World War Three. So many countries are involved. For one, on uh, General Assembly in UN months ago, 141 countries voted against Russia. That just shows how divided the world is that those countries support Ukraine and not Russia, and only four countries supported Russia. So this just shows that they are already picking sides, and they are already choosing Ukraine. Entire world is trying to solve this in a way with talks so far, but it requires more than talking. It requires, like Ukraine has been asking for those special uh, multiple launch rockets, and they are yet to get them. I'm glad that the United States approved them. They give, they're going to give them in a limited supply. But Ukraine just needs to get what it needs to, what it asked for to win this war. Well, there, there was some talk, including by a former Secretary of State, that uh, Ukrainians should just cede land to Russia to achieve peace. Is that, I mean, what is the feeling within Ukraine? I mean, what are your thoughts? Is that really a realistic way to solve this matter? Ukraine will not be ceding any lands because we saw this already in 2014 when Russia took Crimea and uh, created uh, Donetsk Independent Republic and Lugansk Independent Republic. They didn't stop on that. The, the only way to stop them is to push them out of Ukraine completely and to show the world that Ukraine is capable of pushing them back and they're not capable of defeating us. And well, is, I mean, is that a realistic strategy for Zelensky or how, what, what can he do? I mean, is it, is it, I hear you saying that this is uh, be, going to be an ongoing war uh, and that there, it, it, it sounds doubtful that there's a peaceful way to get through this. I don't believe there is a peaceful way to get through this because obviously Russia doesn't care for negotiations and giving them a little bit of land is not going to do anything because they're like a shark. You can just give them an arm and hope to walk away. You need to just push them out and keep the territory strong and Ukraine will have to always have strong army. Ukraine will have to always be prepared because Russia is obviously not willing to negotiate because they already proved that when Ukraine tried to arrange humanitarian corridors to help people, they kill people, they kill volunteers, they capture them, they kill doctors, they kill journalists. Just today, uh, it was reported that a French uh, journalist was killed. So they don't care. They don't care for peace. Wow. Well, I, 
I'm, I'm glad that we had this conversation. I think it's really important to continue the conversation about this matter, as well as many other matters. We, we are part of the human race and we should continue to talk to each other as humans and bring these matters that are important in front of everyone. So thank you, Alona, for speaking today with us. I, you know, it's good to get the insight from someone born in Ukraine and to hear the information that is important and that we should continue to discuss. So thank you very much. Uh, uh, aloha to you. I hope, I hope your family is safe and that things will resolve themselves properly. Aloha. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.